people that you have created so far with all the um, HIV content, what would be like one of the most surprising things that you learned? Um. Hi guys, welcome back to the Matcha Talk podcast. Um, today we have a special guest. He's really well known in YouTube. <laughs> and because of his advocacy work with HIV and AIDS. And you may know him from the AIDS Day last year with GLAD. Um, he did a live via LinkedIn. Please welcome. Great. Welcome. Yay! Hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hello. How are you doing today, Ryu? I'm and thank good. you for coming to our, to our podcast. So. Yeah, I'm so um, honored to be here. I'm, I appreciate you bringing me on. <laughs> we want to know you as a person as well. Um, where are you from? Um, originally, I was born in the Netherlands, um, which mm -hmm. is a small country in Europe, for those who don't know. And I came here when I was like five years old. I grew up in Southern California and mm -hmm. yeah, lived here ever since living in LA currently. Wow. So you're like, you speak like different type of languages as well, right? I or... definitely don't. Um, oh. I know a little bit, a little bit of Dutch. That's the, um, the language spoken mm -hmm. in the Netherlands. And that's about it. Most of my family is there, but fortunately um, people in the Netherlands are heavily English speaking for the most part. So. A little bit a spoiled Westerner. With your advocacy work and a little bit your YouTube, where did it all start? At? I mean, it was kind of very organic, unplanned. I didn't have a map on how I was going to get to this point. I had no idea what it was going to look like. I just knew when I started to create videos on YouTube that I wanted to talk about living with HIV. I didn't know what I was going to do with that information or how that was going to be of value to other people. But I'm someone who is very like open and honest and I wear my heart mm -hmm. on my sleeve. So um, it was just very natural for me to, to talk about it. And then also I grew up doing a lot of performing, performing arts theater. So... And I kind of was missing that in my life at the time. So I felt like being on YouTube and creating videos was a, a, kind of like a performative outlet for me. So I could be creative. I could have that performance aspect. And then I could also talk about something that was really like difficult for me and kind of have that catharsis. And then in turn, if that benefited other people, then, hey, that was, you know, a double win. That's, that's amazing. When did you find out that you enjoy acting? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because I just I immediately have a, a memory that pop in, in my head when I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 10, 11, 12 years old when NSYNC and Spice Girls were really big and Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and I, yes. was, I like, loved the music. And so I would corral like the neighborhood kids. At the time, there was a lot of kids on my street, neighbors that were my friends as well. And so I would like gather them together and I'd be like, let's, I want to choreograph a dance and then like show it to our parents. And so I was always kind of like 
creatively coming up with dances and shows and anything I could think of that was like performative. Mm. So, but it never really clicked until high school when my friend suggested that I join the drama club that I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that kind of like makes sense. Why don't I do that? And it kind of just fell from there. Did you also make them watch your performance? Uh, like of course, yeah, like <laughs> absolutely. And I was always like practicing, 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 rehearsing, 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 just on my own or with my friends. And so like, whether or not they wanted to see it, it was always happening. <laughs> so were you like growing up as a gay person? Like, how did you like, where did you discover that in your life? You were like, identify as gay? Yeah, good question. I didn't identify with being gay until I was probably towards the end of high school, graduating. Oh. I was mm -hmm. in deep, deep denial for most of my life. Um, and and I would argue when I was younger, I didn't really understand what that meant to be gay. And because okay. there was no visibility or role models in media presenting yeah. what it what it means to be gay, there was mm -hmm. nothing that I could like look at and identify with or relate to. All I knew about being gay was that it was a bad thing and that it was like considered dirty yeah. um, and that I was called like every like slur you could think of related mm. to being gay. And so yeah. I wanted nothing to do with that. I didn't relate to it. It's not that I was like d denying being in love with another man and having a, a you know, a fulfilling life. It, that what didn't even occur. It was like, I was denying this weird, evil, marginalized thing that I couldn't relate to. It wasn't until towards the end of high school when I graduated and I, just you know like organically had in crazy feelings for my best friend that it was kind of I couldn't deny it at that point anymore I was like okay there's something to this it's not just a phase like mm -hmm. let me pursue this that's funny because like I, the way I was um I kind of relate to that because the way it was kind of like came out the closet because it's because of my first email address <laughs> and um yeah I finally find out and then they said we knew you you love makeup when you're younger you know <laughs> um, <laughs> have you like experimental phases in your life um you know like dating clothing um etc have you gone through those phases um as far as being gay yes or yes. um okay so i guess that speaks to like visibility again because when i mm -hmm. came out i didn't really know what that meant like I was like do I need to dress differently now do I behave mm -hmm. differently do I hang out with different people like how does this work <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah and so sure at, at first I was like I would kind of mirror what I what I did see and other people and I started to wear like really tight clothing and um, mm -hmm. you know I tried like a little bit of makeup and like okay let me try lip gloss and just really stereotypical things. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I was like, honestly, a lot of that really doesn't do anything for me. I don't identify with it. I was like, why, why don't I just not worry about that and just continue being myself and mm -hmm. see how that fits. And that just made a lot more sense to me. <laughs> Did you ever dated a woman before just to see like, if you, which way you're going to go? Yeah, I wouldn't even say a woman because it was before I was an adult. So there were girls <laughs> and it was just like kind of awkward, like high school or junior high dating. I mean, I dated my one of my best friends who was a girl in junior high for like two weeks and it was very awkward. 
And then in high school, I like went to one of our high school dances with the hmm. like this beautiful popular cheerleader that I had a crush on for a long time. And she said yes. And I just remember like being insanely bored, <laughs> like dancing with her at the dance. And I just kind of like at some point I kind of like drifted off and just like hung out with my my regular <laughs> friends. And we didn't say anything to each other after that. This is not the cup of tea <laughs> that you live. Do you think that being no noticed that like in you at the time that you weren't into others? Us? Yeah. Yeah, I would say everyone else was like completely not surprised when I came mm -hmm. out. Everyone else knew before I did. Even my mm -hmm. mom was like, I well, at the time she said it very like vindictively, like, oh, I knew. I always do. <laughs> she but, was okay. <laughs> Gold star for you. <laughs> oh, you're trying to figure this out all on your own. Everybody else is like see through you already. Yeah, we're like I remember sitting down with a bunch of my old like drama high school friends and very like somberly letting them know and they're like, Yeah, we know. <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Would you say that was it difficult to come out to people around you? Since yeah, it was very out? difficult because mm -hmm. I had, you know, um, I had this identity of, of what it meant to be gay for all my life mm -hmm. and being ridiculed and insulted and, and bullied for years and years related to that. It was very hard to say. It's almost in a way like you have these people who like bullied you and treated you badly and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hurled all these insults at you. And then in the end, it's almost like you're saying, you guys were right. I am all these things that you have said. And I, you know, I deserve the way you treated me. And I'm the fool for not knowing it and realizing it sooner. It's like, there's kind of, you have to deal with that a little bit. And then on top of that, I was heavily going to church at the time because everybody in my drama um, mm -hmm. program at, in high school were heavily... Christian and I loved it. It was great. And um, I loved going to worship every week and I was doing theater in the church and I made like mm -hmm. what I considered like my family, church family. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I came out, I was, you know, guided to say that, you know, I wasn't born this way. It is a sin, but mm -hmm. I can change it. And so from that point, when I came out to the elders in my church, they just, they said, you know, we can help you with that and put me through basically conversion therapy. I didn't have a name for it at the time, but that's exactly what it is. It was conversion wow. therapy. And so when I came out to my parents, I told them that I was gay, but in that moment, I also said, but don't worry because I'm going through this program at church and I'm going to be straight. And they're like, okay, great. We support you. Wow. But the conversion therapy, I'm so like intrigued because I keep hearing about it. Hmm. I never experienced it, but yeah, is it's it like in there. <laughs> it's a very I mean, I'm sure it's different everywhere you go. Um mm -hmm. and it was less it's not like I went to a camp and mm -hmm. went through conversion therapy. There's different like levels of intensity there. It was just yeah. kind of woven into my my life as it mm -hmm. was. Um so there was different components to it. Like I would have a one-on-one -on -one every week with my um pastor. And he would give me homework and, and tell, tell me like I had to abstain from any kind of like self-pleasure and pornography had to be cut out. If there was mm -hmm. anybody in my life that I was like attracted to at all, I had to remove them completely. So, wow. and there was this guy mm -hmm. that I had like 
fallen for like you know that first initial like oh my gosh uh, this is like real and like and they and it was like a love at first sight kind of thing and Mm -hmm. we you know we're very connected and i i broke it off instantly so that's traumatizing Mm -hmm. to have someone that you respect tell you to do that and then also to do that to yourself is traumatizing and it's hard I had to read uh, Bible passages every week. And then, and then I also had to go to another group therapy session and that was for sex addicts. So there were, you know, like maybe 10 or a dozen of us guys of varying ages. And some people were like adulterers and some people had other sexual like compulsions. And then there was two of us and we were gay and that was like our addiction. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wow. And you, Came out of high school. Served it and whatnot, but um, I don't know. It never really, it never really bugged me. Maybe because I've been through so much bullying and and crap earlier in my life that I've kind of got a thick skin to that, and I know who I am in that sense. Um, And then also seeing the positive no pun intended, effects that I was having on people that it didn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah. Since you come out, you know, in your YouTube, so how did the people around you that, like, didn't know before the YouTube come out and, like, they heard it, you know, like, oh, you know, you have HIV, did they view you differently? If they did, it wasn't apparent to me. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't really notice that much except for I, you know, I had recently reconnected with my biological father's side of the family. I'd been estranged from him since I was like four and a half years old. Um, mm-hmm. My mom and I actually were in hiding from him in mm-hmm. um, he was in the Netherlands still. Mm-hmm. And I reconnected and I, you know, was kind of hopeful about discovering that part of my family, even if not him per se, but every, maybe everyone else in the family and kind of connecting with them. And when I did my first video or two, um, my oldest half brother that I had just, you know, realized was alive (laughs) and had met, he messaged me and said, you know, the family is aware that you're doing this type of content on YouTube. And if you continue to do it, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to, they're going to disown you and they'll Mm -hmm. pretend like you are not related to them. You don't, they don't know who I am or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And of course gave me all these excuses about how, you know, it's different over there and how it's dangerous for the family. And it, mm-hmm. you know, puts a, puts a, um, a blemish on the Durazi name, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And at that point I was like, you know, I had to make a choice between being true to myself and being honest with what is important to me or mm-hmm. this like, lifetime of yearning to understand this side of my family and Mm -hmm. i thought that comment kind of spoke for itself if i wanted a relationship with these people this was the kind of relationship that i could expect and so Mm -hmm. i realized that's not what i want i just i want i just want to live my life purposefully and truthfully so i ended up continuing obviously (laughs) well let me tell you something like you really made a family like the people you just like like me, you made a family like you enlighten us and k- to keep going with our life, you know, and yeah, we're so yeah, you you have like a internet family like us, so 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it's like, there are so many, I mean, there's now to, to date, like about 40 million people living with HIV globally. That's a, that's a lot of people, mm-hmm. but HIV has the ability to make you feel like you're completely alone. And so yeah. there's 40 million people around the world feeling like they're alone in a room by themselves. And mm-hmm. so being able to connect those people and and being able to communicate with each other is really important and discovering, oh, that there's all these other people feeling the same way that I do um, mm-hmm. can be very, very healing. It's healing to me that you came out out there and say hey you know don't worry about your cd4 levels you know that's normal and you know um if you have any more further questions just ask your doctor everything's going to be fine numbers always comes down and up um it actually this is the first video that i'm going to talk about being an hiv patient (laughs) and um because i want to do that with you because you know you inspire me you um it's trying to keep going and yeah, and I really thank you for that, you know, and especially growing up in the household, it's this always type of like shame in this um, HIV. It goes mm-hmm. hand in hand with being gay. And now like I can express that. I just want, and hopefully there'll be more people could, you know, say, hey, does it mean like I can like I'm, I'm HIV positive? Sorry, <laughs> um, that I'm inadequate to the society. So. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing that with me. I'm really glad that you did find me and you did find my content and that it helped you. And I'm always thinking, you know, for everybody that does find the content, there's like a thousand, 10,000, 100,000 more people who haven't and don't have that. So I always feel like there's so much more that still needs to be done. And so like you too, with your podcast and, and, and talking about this important issue is really, is really important as well. I think a part of me feels like because, yeah, I was born in the Netherlands. So I have a little bit of Dutch in me, a little European, but I'm half Moroccan, North African. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also like a quarter Indonesian. There's some Malaysian mixed in there, some Chinese. Oh. So I, I feel like that's like Asia, Africa. Europe, I feel connected yeah. different parts of me to different parts of the world. And so I just, I feel like I need to, to reach out all globally and, and connect with everybody. I just love how your channel always grows. Like your plus life channel always grows. Like it, like I see how you have weekly like news for HIV, like, you know, articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, gives us like oh okay cool there's is progress and science you know having a channel type of like that it just so like like inspirational because like it gives it give us like oh cool like i can just go to this one person and then yeah and- yeah and i was just i was just every once in a while i'll go on youtube and i'll like search for like HIV related terms to see what kind of content is out there. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of disappointed because I searched HIV Mm -hmm. and I was, I was expecting and hoping to see a bunch of of content of like different vloggers and YouTubers, Mm -hmm. young people talking about it. Yeah. And I have to say, I went, I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled through so many videos and like 
99% of the videos were very like, they were either a corporation or a nonprofit mm -hmm. organization yeah. or, you know, a science institution. It was very like sciencey research, educational. It wasn't like you and me having a conversation. And I was yeah. just hoping that today there would be more of that. And there isn't. So I, I definitely know. feel like there's still a need for a lot more of that. I think so too. And can I tell you my, a little bit of my experience about like, you know, like I tried to look for support groups, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and it's such the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do. People like either they, they just cancel it and stuff. But with your video itself, like it felt like you're there with us. You know, like I was actually going to Strap Clinic in San Francisco. I was playing your podcast um, that you were in and it felt like you're there with me going to my, my doctor's appointment. <laughs> and I just felt like, oh, okay, I can do this. I got this, you know, and I really hope there is more like content creator, like other than you and Tita Aida. Tita Aida is actually one of the HIV positive advocacy as well here in San Francisco. Shout out to her. We need more people out you guys out there to, to tell us and, you know, communicate and, yeah, be a community. There was an interview on a podcast show and you said about your CD4 was so low to the point that you were about to die. Um, what was your thoughts, like, during that time? And how did you, like, continue on thriving yeah so when i first got the news i was like oh wow like i'm gonna die so what do i do for the next two to three years do i do i do i finish school like do i go to work do mm -hmm. i just like sell anything that's worth money and like go travel the world like what what do you mm -hmm. do when you know you're gonna die in two to three years <laughs> um what's my bucket list i don't know and then mm -hmm. I, of course, learned that I'm not going to die. And so once, <laughs> once I realized it's not a death sentence, um, I kind of went the other extreme and I was like, man, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to live my life. HIV <laughs> isn't going to control me. And it was like, okay, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good mindset to have. It's like mm -hmm. empowering. But you have to also be mindful of like, where is your body actually at? Like, what are you really capable of? It's like, mm -hmm. it's like not having gone to the gym in like 10 years and your body's weak. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to bench press 400 pounds. It's like, if you do that, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. And so when I, when I was like, oh, I'm going to just live my life and HIV isn't going to control me. I was invited to go to a wedding um, on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was still I was just taking medication maybe for like a week or two I just okay. I had got antibiotics like I was like my doctor was like you cannot eat an egg that is not fully cooked you cannot eat mm -hmm. meat that is not fully cooked you cannot eat sushi okay. because mm -hmm. your body is like a petri dish and if you get anything you could mm -hmm. end up in the hospital and die um, so that's where I was at and then I was like okay I'm gonna go to Hawaii Woo! and all of my um, friends were like, we're going to go on this epic four mile hike into the jungle to this waterfall. And I was like, I'm going, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I went and it was like, it was, it was incredible. It was amazing. Um, and then I got back and then like within the first hour of getting back, I started to notice I had all these like rashes mm -hmm. on my feet. Anywhere that a little rock, like in the, in the little streams that we crossed mm -hmm. or a branch, in the in the jungle like 
rubbed my leg, I suddenly had a mark of rash. All the bacteria, everything was just like wow. feasting on my body. And then because it was sunny on my, yeah. my whole entire back mm. covered in blisters, Oof. completely in blisters. So I was like in the bathtub, cold water running on me, like, uh, like I thought I was like, I was going through it, but mm. in hindsight, I'm glad I did it, but that was a very dangerous thing for me to do. And so I definitely recommend for people who are going through something similar, definitely listen to your doctor, mm-hmm. take your medication as prescribed. It's good to have a self-empowering mindset, but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. be mindful of like where your body is at and be careful with yourself. Yeah, you, gotta know. you have to know your boundaries. Yeah. Not only that, like you must have like a really supportive like surrounding you as well to continue that too you know like it's just not you also you need like a very positive not pun intended um environment too you know what i mean like yeah yes and that was a function of me being very open about myself like i can't keep secrets i don't like keeping secrets i don't like hiding (laughs) things so i i have to like share i have to share so whether people wanted to hear it or not like my coworkers Mm -hmm. all knew my family knew my everybody knew and because of mm-hmm. that, I felt free to just like kind of be in it. I didn't have to sit and like worry about hiding things and, you know, like yeah. any of that. I would like us you to go back a little bit and talk about your symptom that you had um, that made you have to go to hospital and get this checked out. And to the people out there that, you know, what kind of symptom that they should be concerned if they have this kind of symptom that they should go check out. So I am hesitant to, I'll start off by saying I'm hesitant to um, call out certain symptoms. Um, Aside from like Kaposi sarcoma or PCP, which is like late, late, late stage HIV progression and well into AIDS where you have cancer and it's like a specific kind of cancer that you really only see in people with HIV. Aside Mm -hmm. from that, I don't recommend people trying to self-diagnose because, um, so many people self-diagnose or Mm -hmm. worried they have a rash they have a blister they have a bump they have a a this or that whatever it is and they'll think do i have hiv do i have hiv it's like you cannot you cannot figure out whether you have hiv based on your symptoms the reason being Mm -hmm. symptoms of hiv are simply that your immune system is suppressed so name all the things that can attack your body in general if you don't have an immune system those are all the symptoms of HIV. This is like, it could be endless. You know what I mean? And there are some common things, but overall it's like everything is a symptom when your immune system is suppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that same, in that same line of thinking, any symptom that you have can be from anything but HIV as well. So the only really w- way to know is to get tested. That's it. Mm-hmm. Too many people like- come to me and they say, I have this symptom. I have that symptom. I think I have mm-hmm. HIV. I'm sure I have HIV. No, I got an HIV test. I got three HIV tests and they were all negative in the past year, but I'm sure I have HIV because these are the symptoms I have. And that's mm-hmm. not the good thinking. So to answer <laughs> your question, um, I had uh, I had oral thrush. I had extremely painful throat pain and it was not going mm-hmm. away. I thought it was strep. I had it treated mm-hmm. with antibiotics. It did mm-hmm. go away for a week and then it came back again. 
Mm-hmm. And um, then I finally went to the emergency room and they just gave me a, a wide panel of testing just to cover all the bases. And that's when they discovered it, it was HIV. And oral thrush is literally your gut bacteria that's healthy and it stays in your guts normally. And it helps you digest food and, and, and all of that and extract nutrients. It's part of your body. But when you when your immune system is suppressed, it grows out of control. And it literally grew up, up out of my esophagus into my throat. Mm. How long did it take you to, um, to be cured with antibiotics with that? Like... Um, the major things like that, I would mm-hmm. say in a week or two, I was feeling mm-hmm. a lot better from mm-hmm. that. Um, there's this interesting thing that happens, though, when your immune system is that suppressed, when you have AIDS, yeah. hmm. is because your immune system is no longer fighting against infection, hmm. you're no longer experiencing a lot of symptoms. Normally, when you experience symptoms, that's hmm. a result of your body fighting it off. So if your body's not fighting anything, you're not feeling anything. So you, some people actually feel perfectly fine. And then yeah. once they start taking their ARVs or their HIV medication, all of a sudden... Hmm their immune system turns on and they just feel like death because oh. now their body is fighting things and they're experiencing all these symptoms. And it's like, what's going on? This medication is supposed yeah. to help me. I feel like it's hurting me. I, I Yeah. I felt that too. Cause like my throat area started like, what's going on? Like, I, like, you know, and then you know, you, you, I remember you said that exact same thing in your video. I'm just like, Oh, okay, cool. That's my immune system fighting for me. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. But if if left to the your your own imagination, you start to think, is this is it the medicine that's killing me? Is it like is the medicine <laughs> yeah. toxic? You know, mm. so that's why education is so important because oftentimes science is not intuitive. It's not Mm-mm. A should equal X and B should equal Y, and that should just be mm-hmm. one, two, three. One plus one equals two. Oftentimes mm-hmm. science, although you think it should work like that, it doesn't. Nope, nope, nope. I wanted to know, like, what age were you, like, diagnosed? Um, it was in 2012, so I was 27 years old. So, like, with 27, okay, so, like, with that, like, you're, like, growing older, how do you, like, take yourself, take your, take the fear out of that? Yeah. Um, well, when I was diagnosed and I thought I was going to be dead, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I got to a place where I was, like, okay, like, if that's it, then that's it. Like, okay, I got to make the most of it. Um, and that sucks, obviously. And it, a lot of it was like, it was so fast. I hadn't really processed it. I'm sure if I knew that I was going to be dead in two to three years, like six months later, mm-hmm. I would have been depressed or something. But mm-hmm. it was all very early that I was you know, going through a lot of these emotions. So when I learned that taking the medication, I would be good. I would be healthy. It was like, I wasn't worried about all the details. It was like, it's all, it's all a bonus from here. I'm not going to die. Okay. So if I have to deal with some, some crap later on, that's okay. And the reality is when I, one of my first medications I got was a tripla. It was the, Mm -hmm. I think the first single pill medication. And it was like, wow, okay. This new technology, I only have to take one pill now, Mm -hmm. but there were so many side effects so many side effects like hallucinations and brain fog and ended up being very toxic on my liver so that I had the liver of of an alcoholic. And so in my mind, I was like, I might have to spend the rest of my life like experiencing really heavy side effects 
Mm. And that was a little bit of like a weight, but at the same time, it was like, how can I complain? Like I'm alive mm. and I can, I'm free to do so many things. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I love yeah. that. Cause like, mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, like in that, like in, I'm in 27 and transitioning to 30, like it just scares, it scares me to be like, like to age, you know, it has that a fear in the back of my mind and, Having someone like you, positive outlook in life is such a refreshing. And first of all, like 30 is so delicious. I love being <laughs> in my 30s. I, when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh my God, like 30, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like midlife. Like there are so many things that like should have happened by the time I'm 30 in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I should be well into my career. I should have mm-hmm. like this great relationship. You know, mm-hmm. I should be like accumulating wealth and all these milestones and things. And I was just like a complete mess, <laughs> like 29 years old. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I was in this horrible relationship. I don't have any money. I'm struggling. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't have like a clear direction. I have not <laughs> reached any of these milestones. And now I'm about to be old. Like, what the hell? This is not how <laughs> life was supposed to go. And I hit 30 and I remember like something just clicked and it was like, I hit 30 years old and I was like, all the stress of becoming 30, like left. It's like, I'm 30 now. And it was like, all of a sudden I experienced this like freedom of like, wow, like I'm an adult. Like I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not a 20 year old, like get that away from Mm me. And it wasn't until I hit 30 that I really like focused my life and my energy. And suddenly mm-hmm. like I was working hard. I was disciplined. I was motivated. I was passionate. Like mm-hmm. things really opened up for me. I just had this conversation with my sister recently because she's seven years younger than me. So she's like 29 years old, getting ready to t- turn 30. She's got, you know, um, her husband and a couple kids, but she's like, she's like struggling in a lot of ways. And she's like, talking about how she kind of like looks up to me because she sees me as like being successful and having mm-hmm. my shit together and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I go, Tosh, like, do you realize that at your age, I was a complete mess. I was a disaster. Like I didn't, I did not even start to get my stuff together until I was 30. So you're like still younger than I was when I started. And she's mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. She's like, you're right. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, like, (laughs) take that pressure off. You have so much time. Thank you for that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're all talking about it sometime of like, oh, my God, we only have like a couple more years left before we entered a number three. You know, it's like low key kind of like stressing, but it's like, what am I stressing about? But I think it's the pressure of to be successful. Yeah. Or at least be financial stable, Secure. have yeah. a good job. But I mean, it is stressful, but I, I feel like we'll figure it out. <laughs> and the reality is like achieving quote unquote success that our parents had and that their parents had before them was the reality of it is so completely different. Like wealth inequality in the US and around the world has skyrocketed the affordability to, to buy a house is like yeah. way out of control. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not affordable the way it used to be. It's three yeah. times, four yeah. times what it used to be more than that. And then we have inflation. We have, we're on the brink of recession. Like we have so many things stacked against us. It's not fair to compare ourselves to 
our parents who or grandparents who bought a house for $20,000 and were like, <laughs> were a bank teller and managed to be the breadwinner for their entire family. Like that's not possible. Yep. Nope. I wanted to ask if anyone is currently diagnosed, newly diagnosed with HIV, they don't know what to do. Like what would you tell them? And, and what are the steps that need to, to take? Primarily, Start with your healthcare provider, whatever they tell you to do, do that. Trust the tests. Don't, you know, like question the science of it and, and, and not in doubt that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Take your medicine as prescribed. Take care of yourself. Take care of your body. Um, take care of your mental health. Mm -hmm. Create a support system. So even if it's just one person that you're able to, to share your diagnosis with, it's like crucially, vitally important that someone else knows who can also support you and that you can lean on when you need to, because you will yeah. have that, those moments. And then try to find a community, whether that's online or whether in person. Or Telegram. Um, or Telegram, <laughs> exactly. I have a Telegram group. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and that's, you can find the Telegram group at Thriving Fam. Um, that's at Thriving Fam. You'll find our group. We'll let you in. And that's four people living with HIV. And then... Then the next part is really just like what anybody should be doing with their life. But a lot of times we don't really take the time or the energy to focus on it until, you know, we hit rock bottom or we were faced with a huge challenge in our life, such yeah. as an HIV diagnosis. Then all of a sudden we go, oh, am I living my life as healthfully as I can? Mm -hmm. And then you start to analyze, like, am I being fit? Am I eating well? Am mm -hmm. I getting all my vitamins, my supplements, mm -hmm. my nutrients? Yeah. Um, how's my mental health? Do I have a lot of anxiety? Do I need to see a therapist? All these things you have to consider a lot of times when you get an HIV diagnosis, it's, it's that much more important. So, yeah. And then from there, once you build that foundation, then it's really about like, what's your purpose in life? What's your meaning? And what's going to like drive you moving forward because you're going to have tough times. But if you kind of know, you have a kind of have a direction, then that'll that'll get you through those tougher moments. I'm gonna quote Jonathan Vaness in this. Like I watch his interview as well. He's the he's an HIV positive. He's in Clear Eye. He said that um, HIV positive people taking care of themselves better than the non-HIV, you know, positive. Crazy, right? Like how this thing like really changed all of us in, in the most like healthy. You know, approaching healthy ways to the way we eat, mental health, you know, and how we live. <laughs> yeah, it really can. It give, it prevents you. It presents the opportunity, at least. I like to say that what doesn't not just what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but mm -hmm. what doesn't kill you and corrupt you makes you stronger because things can bring you to the brink of death. Things can really try you in life. And you really do. You really can go in two different directions it can corrupt you and you mm -hmm. can become a victim and you can let it destroy you and your life and your relationships and your happiness mm -hmm. or you can go the other route and really become empowered by it so it's not just about surviving it's like you have to survive and also not let it like destroy what makes you who you are The first thing they will like look at is what the media is portraying HIV patient as, you know, um, like the um, you know, the scary part, the stigma. 
I just love how if there's more voices like you out there that say, you know, like to fight the stigma, like, hey, I'm still here, you know. To the credit of a lot of organizations now and even pharmaceutical companies, they're really, I see a lot. I mean, the idea of seeing an ad for an HIV medication on mainstream TV back when I was diagnosed was like unheard of, never seen it in my life. And then like I started to see these ads and I'm like, wait, is this like a targeted ad that I'm just seeing that's just for me? And it was like, yeah. no, this is like an ad that everybody sees. And I was like, wow, this is insane. And they are purposely going out of their way to make sure that the representation in the ads are inclusive and diverse and really representative of people who are living with HIV. So it's, there's a lot of progress that's been made. I don't know if you about this before. This is just a fun part now. Uh, have, have you heard of Charlie Sheen? the actor yeah um, yeah of course okay there was like a video in youtube and that he went to a mexico mexico a doctor i don't know if you heard of this before that he stopped taking his arv and he was like he doctors claiming like oh you'll be cured with my method and stuff like that and then when he came back crazy right there's so much doctors out there that says i can cure it for you like, is that something yeah. he said that he himself that's what the doctor did? the doctor said to him and he stopped taking erv but is did he say that he went and then he stopped taking arvs and yes he did yeah in an interview yeah and and yeah it's just mind-blowing like you know like there's so much information out there just like yeah there's a lot of information and then there's also a lot of misinformation and there's a whole industry that's kind of learned how to profit off of misinformation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll see people or read about people who went off their medicine and they were fine. And mm -hmm. that's not entirely false. Like there are people who can, who can live for six, 10 years plus, and the HIV doesn't do anything that whole time. And then it doesn't start progressing until like a decade later. And then there are some people who are, are classified scientifically as elite controllers and these people have a natural ability to control hiv in their body and don't ever need arvs so there is a small percentage of people who fall into that category but by and large when people are talking about that online they're trying to like sell you like snake oil and get you to buy some kind of like herbal concoction um, and essentially whatsapp them money around the world dr Dr. I don't know, Sebi, Dr. Whoever, who's selling their uh, proprietary like green herbal concoction that's in a like used water bottle with no label on it and trying to get you to send them money. Like it's, yeah. it's gross and they're feeding on the desperation of people everywhere who just are scared mm -hmm. and, and want a quick, easy out. Yeah. There's like other like of your fans or followers that comes to you and say, hey, is this real? Is this like, you know, and then do you like research with them as well as like, no, it's not real. Yeah. I mean, as far as the herbal cures go, mm -hmm. yeah, people occasionally do reach out about that. And I don't do any research on that because I just don't need to at this point. It's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. The mm -hmm. thing that I think is more insidious and dangerous is AIDS denialism and HIV denialism and people who will say that um, either AIDS doesn't exist, it's made up, mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. thing that causes AIDS is the medications that pharmaceutical companies give us. It's like this mm -hmm. conspiracy. Or they say that AIDS does exist, but it's not caused by HIV. Um, mm -hmm. Either way, those are both 
really destructive narratives and oftentimes they cite studies and they cite they cite research that's been long disproven or there are some people who denied that HIV exists that actually mm -hmm. are dead now because they stopped mm -hmm. taking their ARVs and succumbs to AIDS related illness but people will still refer to that person as having proven something it's like we've got um RFK Jr running running for president now in the US and he is a vocal AIDS denialist himself. So wow. the fact that we have a presidential wow. candidate who denies that AIDS even exists is is frightening. That's crazy. Is there any upcoming um, events in December for you? I'll be creating content every week until then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Hopefully at least. So what I'm doing now is I'm basically doing a weekly HIV news video mm -hmm. and then i'm also trying to do a weekly interview with either a scientist a healthcare professional an advocate someone in the hiv world that could kind of like shed light on something that we don't really understand yet mm -hmm. um, talking about clinical trials things like that and then i'm also now working towards because in the, in the beginning i did a lot of like vlog style content so mm -hmm. i'd like to kind of revisit that and share more on a personal note my own my own thoughts and feelings and like things that I learn about and share them more informally, kind of like sharing my life and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I would like to get back into bodybuilding because I kind of dropped off on that with the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm working on getting back into shape and losing weight and all of that. So I'm sure I'll be sharing that whole journey as well. So that's basically what I'm focusing on with social media. So with all the video that you have created so far with all the um, HIV content, what would be like one of the most surprising things that you learned? Um, I think the most generally surprising thing for me was as I I'm doing more at my advocacy, I'm like, okay, I really want to learn things that aren't really taught every day. We get a lot of talking points about HIV. And mm -hmm. once you're kind of in the HIV sphere, you hear a lot of times the same dozen or so talking points repeated 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 and they're important and it's it's really important that we're repeating those things for people who need to learn it but for the rest of us who've kind of heard u equals u we've heard take your medicine and you can live a long fulfilling life like mm -hmm. we kind of want a little more we need a little more than that right yeah and so in order for me to get that knowledge i joined a community advisory board that works with hiv scientists and researchers it's funded by the nih u.s government and so now i have direct connection with these scientists and these researchers who are working firsthand on hiv cure on wow. hiv treatments things like that mm -hmm. um and i remember last year i was at a conference and mm -hmm. i was sitting at a lunch table and i was just at a table with a bunch of scientists i never met and they were having a discussion about mm -hmm. hiv and um they were talking about how those with living with HIV have a higher risk of dementia, of developing dementia, and that there's wow. HIV reservoirs in the brain and that even when they're um, latent reservoirs and they're successfully suppressed by ARVs, they're still releasing proteins into the system and those proteins are what causes inflammation. And so we mm -hmm. living with HIV have chronic inflammation that causes things that we're not totally understanding of yet. But mm -hmm. for me, it was a big eye opener because it's like, since my diagnosis, my doctors and healthcare professionals all told me, listen, if you take your medicine, you'll live a long, healthy life. Yeah. 
aside from the symptoms of the medicine and there really aren't any anymore, you're going to be totally normal. You don't have anything to worry about. It's like, oh, okay, great. And that's what mm -hmm. I was telling people. But suddenly I learned, wait, it's not that cut and dry. It's not that black and white. There's all this mm -hmm. nuance to it. And, yeah. and for example, we have like three times higher risk of cancer. And it's like, wow, that's the surprise. Me and getting content and learning more about HIV, that really surprised me. And it was like, this is really, really, really important stuff, especially mm -hmm. as we age with HIV that we're aware of and that we're prepared mentally to either prevent it or deal with it as it comes up. Yeah. Based on your content, I saw uh, one thing that surprised me was that um, I heard that 50% of women were diagnosed with HIV. And I was like, oh my God, that's half. Yeah. Um, UN AIDS released their, released their 2023 fact sheet. And in 2022, 53%, more than half, of all mm. people living with HIV in the world are either women or girls. Yeah. Wow. That was surprising. So the stereotype that it's like a gay disease is... Mm -hmm. Totally blown out of the water. By that yeah. Process. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. like, oh my God, like no one ever say that. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was very yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's very eye opening. But your findings with, um, with all of these things, like about dementia and cancer, if the patient keeps taking the medication, do they have like lower risk taking, um, having this diagnosis or it just really depends on genetic? Um, so what I'm when I'm referring to those things, I'm referring uh, to someone who is undetectable, unsuccessful ARV treatment. Mm -hmm. Regardless, when you're undetectable and you're on treatment, you have certain risk factors because simply having HIV in your body and it's mm -hmm. and the HIV is releasing these proteins into your body that causes ongoing inflammation chronically throughout your life. You'll have a higher level of inflammation than mm -hmm. someone who doesn't have HIV. And because of that inflammation, you're at you're at higher risk for certain things like cancer, like dementia, it's, and, and mm -hmm. so on. Is there like preventative measure still, or is there like yeah? So that's that's where the conversation naturally needs to go. Is as we learn these things, mm -hmm. okay, what can I do to prevent that, or what can I do the, to best mitigate those risks? So mm -hmm. that's what I'm also researching. Is like when um, uh, a study comes out about something like propolis, for example. Propolis is a combination of bees wax, honey, the pollen that bees bring back to the hive, all mixed together. It creates this compound called propolis. And mm -hmm. for those of us who supplement, I think it's like 500 milligrams a day, this study showed uh, a marked decrease in that chronic inflammation in our body that causes all these things. So mm -hmm. those are the important conversations that we need to be having, you know, for those of us living with HIV moving forward. Mm -hmm. Me and that we're just so speechless and how we like, let it sink in. <laughs> a lot of thinking and a lot of um, process, like the processing the information, especially the listeners out there who are HIV positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, will Will you be discussing more in regards of this, like preventative measures or like you know of like inflammations in our body in your channel? Yeah, and I would put that in the category of comorbidities of living with HIV. And now that we have treatment that is highly effective, that's very low in toxicity, now that those of us living with HIV have life expectancy almost just as long as someone who's not living with HIV, now it's important to 
as a community talk about what it means to age with HIV. And so all the things you would naturally consider as you're aging are even more important now for those of us living with HIV. So that has to be the center of conversation. And I think moving forward with conferences and all these studies and researchers, a lot of people are redirecting their attention on, okay, mm-hmm. now we're going to focus our, our energy uh, aside from cure research, focus on those of us in the now living with HIV and growing older. How do mm-hmm. we deal with all these things? What are these things that are coming up that we maybe weren't aware of 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Just wanted to let other people know, right? Um, Cause like there's some, if when you're diagnosed with HIV, there's a lot of like um, stigma still you can still have kids, right? You can still have kids as long as you're taking your ARV. Mm-hmm. You can get married. Yeah. You can still pursue medical profession or other profession you want to be. So there's, yeah, right? You can still... And you can have HIV negative kids is the important note. You can be mm-hmm. a parent living with HIV and have a kid, whether you're mm-hmm. the mother who is living with HIV or the father, and have mm-hmm. a child who is HIV negative. Mm. did you like felt differences in your body oh my like i felt more tired or like any sensitivity of light or something like that or i think that's a slippery slope to try to um to try to go down and i think that it's really easy because it's such an unscientific thing right it's just your own anecdotal Mm -hmm. experience to Mm -hmm. say before I had before I had my diagnosis, this is the way I felt and this is the way I experienced life. And after my diagnosis, there are these other things that are negative. And so it must be the HIV, but we don't really know that. And mm-hmm. it's easy to say, yeah, after my diagnosis, I feel more tired. But you know what? Before my diagnosis was also 12 years ago, 13 years ago, and I was 13 years younger than mm-hmm. two. So how do I know it wasn't just I was in my 20s before and now I'm yeah. in my late 30s. Maybe that's why I'm tired. And the same thing goes with HIV medication. A lot of times people will want to say, I gained all this weight mm-hmm. after I started taking HIV medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It must be the medication. And it's like, it could be, it could be the medication. It could also be that you're getting older and your metabolism slowing down. A lot of sure. people get an HIV diagnosis when they're in their 20s. And mm-hmm. your metabolism is like kind of at its peak and it's starting to like go on the decline. So yeah. would you have gained weight anyways? We don't know because it's not scientific. <laughs> so because of that, mm-hmm. um, I always say, focus on what you have control over. Mm-hmm. If you think mm-hmm. it's, the, if you're really convinced it's the medication, okay, try something else. Mm-hmm. If it's, that's not working, focus on what you, you have control over. You have control over your diet. You have control sure. over your fitness. You have mm-hmm. control over your anxiety levels, your sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All those things contribute to your metabolism and yes. your overall health. So anything that you might think, oh, well, I have, I get headaches now. It's like, okay, <laughs> it, it could be the HIV. It could be the medication or it, it could be, be dehydrated. Enough water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that you're really stressed out about certain things in life or your pillow sucks and you're and you've got a cramp in your neck. Like, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? True, true. <laughs> well, or you, you know, I'm so happy and grateful that you're here with us at Maja Talk Podcast. We we really, really thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you for being here. And before we go, would there be any last message for our listener out there? Yeah, I would just say, be kind to yourself. Whatever it is that you're going through life, um, 
we, when you know better, you do better. And the reality is we go through life like flying blind for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And we're often in, 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 in circumstances that are less than ideal out of our control. And so we're all just kind of like doing our best with the cards, with the hand that we've been dealt. And so be kind to yourself. If, if in the past, for example, I could, I could judge myself and say, I, you know, I made poor decisions or I did this thing and the other thing that was negative. But it's like, if I really knew, if I really understood what I know today, I would have behaved differently, but it's impossible to know something you don't know. (laughs) And I could give my past self all the advice in the world, all the wisdom in the world. I could literally be God coming down from heaven saying, this is the key to life. But if I don't deep down in my emotional self and my intelligent self understand something, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go through whatever I need to go through until I learn it from experience. With that said, if you're not who you think you should be at this point in your life, like take a breath, like it's all good. And the reality is we are much more likely to change when we're relaxed than than when we're tense. Just relax, take a breath and allow things to happen naturally. Thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. We hope you. you enjoyed our episode. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. I'm so glad that we you go, could have this conversation. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram. <laughs> thank you so much for watching the Matcha Talk podcast. Don't forget our TikTok account. It's Matcha Talks. All right. We hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>